lightning. Inspirational. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akima, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome back to Conversations with the Royal Empress. This is Dr. Hakima, and joining me is my sister from another mother, my kindred spirit and co-host of Royal Empress, Akila. Also joining us is a very, very special co-host going by the name of Nathaniel G. Booker. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Nathaniel. I know that you all have already saw the post of his bio, but I'm still going to just briefly discuss some of that that's in the bio. If you follow our Facebook page, Conversations with Royal Empress, you will have I've already seen his bio and his pic, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and give a brief introduction of Nathaniel. Nathaniel is an HBCU alum, a Tennessee State University graduate. You, all, how, you know how much we love our, tennis, our uh, HBCU graduates. He is a beloved uncle and family member, a past president of 100 Black Men of America, Tennessee State University chapter, former top executive of Marriott, Marriott International, and Intercontinental Hotel Group, an avid advocate of community engagement, CEO of Astute Culture Consulting, and Village of Maywood Trustee. Wow, great accomplishment. Can you say hello to our listening audience, Nathaniel? Hello, audience. How are you today? <laughs> Keila, you want to say hi to everybody? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> everybody. <laughs> All right, today's topic is how to make the political system work for the Black community. Because, you know, I'm tired of Black people talking about, man, politics don't concern us. I'm so tired of hearing that. So, anybody want to, who, who want to go with that question first? And then, what the thing, you look like you want to answer this one. So, go ahead. <laughs> well, um, I think how the best way to approach how the uh, political system can work for the Black community is to put it back on the Black community. We need to become more involved. And the really the real thing that I will say that I've been in a lot of conversations and talks for, especially surrounding the census, is a lot of times the black community has become very comfortable with saying people of color, not black. And we become very comfortable with being very inclusive to the point that we exclude ourselves. So when we talk about how to make ourselves more engaged or involved to make the political system work for us, we need to work for ourselves because a lot of times you don't see those other ethnicities having those same inclusive conversations when they're at those tables. Ooh. <laughs> now, when you, when you were saying that, just, just the whole people of color thing, I'm like, yeah. And I think we have gotten very comfortable saying that, and we do try to make things all inclusive, but our neighborhoods are not necessarily all inclusive. And our communities are not necessarily all inclusive. And so therefore that political power has to be in our communities. And we have to elect people that are going to care about our community. So I, yeah, I, I think that that's a very good point and I'm guilty of it. And, and thank you for that reminder for me to stop calling myself a person of color. <laughs> I am a black woman and I want, you know, and I need things that are going to benefit the black community as a whole. So seriously, thank you for, for uh, mentioning that because I have become, I've, I've fallen into that. I have definitely fallen into that. And one of the things that I would really want us to understand is, is local politics. 
And I think that's one of the things, because what you hear people saying, particularly when it comes to presidential elections, which we have coming up, is, oh, well, it doesn't matter anyway, because, you know, they're going to put in who they want to put in. But our local political system does not work that way. We don't have an electorate college for any other thing other than the president of the United States. And so why you think your vote doesn't matter or why we don't belong in the political process, I, I don't understand. You have, you know, like you, a trustee in Maywood, but we have all of these positions. We have older people, uh, you know, all of this. And it does matter when it comes to your, where you live and what's going on in your community as far as jobs and all of that. So um, it, it just makes no sense to me that we think that we have, that the political system doesn't work for us at all. I will definitely uh, second and say here, here to that. The realities that I look at when you talk about the local community and municipality elections. So for Maywood, we have uh, nearly 30,000 residents, right? But we have 15,000 that are registered voters. So when it becomes a presidential election, about 10 to 11,000 will come out. When it comes to a gubernatorial election for the governor, about six, 7,000 will come out. This last election, less than 2,300 came out to vote for the local officials. So when you look at, on a, on a regular standard, less than 15% of your registered voters coming out to vote, but everybody has something to say on social media. It's like, <laughs> um, I hear you. But at a certain point, you have to say, but the voters are saying this. And unfortunately, or fortunately, we look at, let's go for the Black community, for Maywood alone. I know for a fact, over 80% of my vote is coming from those that are 65 and older. If I'm in, I'm a millennial, right? So my job, I'm supposed to be the millennial voice, and I'm to engage the millennials. We have over 5,000 registered voters that are millennials less than 300 came out to vote. Wow. So when we sit there and we talk about our vote doesn't matter, actually it does because we have enough votes to replace that person that has been in office for 30 years in their 80s and just wants to keep going with no vision and no mission. You have the, the, the ingenuity and the energy to get somebody on the library board, on the school board, on the park district. I can't tell you how many times I'm looking like, we have people who are on this library board that, when was the last time they brought a child to the library? <laughs> what programs do they even care about? Like for, for instance, we have one of the largest state-of-the-art libraries. They put over $100 million into the library restoration a few years ago. The library has the shortest amount of opening hours because of lack of activity. Why is there a lack of activity? Because everybody making the choices for the library are a um, little dated in regards to the way that they would do things or how to function and how we can evolve. So we really have to tap into our power by voting or even running. There are many people who run unopposed and it's, they simply keep running because they feel like they don't have to run. You have many seats. I give you, you have many seats that people don't even show up for their debates because they feel like they're the name you know anyway. So why am I going to debate a newcomer? So I feel like we, we definitely need to get more involved with our local politics because the chances of you shaking the president's hand are slim to none. The chances of you shaking me as a trustee is when I'm at the gas station getting gas. That's right. And that means it's heard when you can walk up to your politician, your local politician, your voice is heard because they're right there. They're in your community. They're not, they're not surrounded by the secret service where you can't get to them and you can't voice your opinion. And so I think we do have to understand, you know, there's the argument, well, rise or our empowerment is not going to come from politics because it's never worked for us. But if we really look back to history, there was a reason that people didn't want you to vote. There's a serious reason that, that, that many people got in line to vote 
and they their homes were firebombed or they were you know hung or whatever because of local people not wanting to turn over local power you weren't hung because you were voting for the president mm. it was the local elections it was it was who's running the community that you're in and i think that we really have to understand the difference between state and federal government and i really think a lot of us don't understand that that you know albeit we have our federal laws our local laws are what impacts us in terms of where we live and you really have to understand that and so it matters who you're putting in office when it comes to your local what's happening to you your your taxes <laughs> the federal government is not charging us property tax one of our podcasts when we were talking about how dollars are distributed within the school districts. Yeah, and, we were talking about that a couple weeks yeah, ago. And how we don't get as much money in some of the school districts in our community. There's, and, and other communities are getting even more funding. Well, why is that? Why is that? I can tell you why. Yes, I'm uh, listening. <laughs> the reason that you'll say why is that is because the reality is the communities that get more voter that get more voters out get more attention. You take it for instance, and I I don't want, I don't mean to keep going to Maywood, but I, in general, right? So Maywood. So we have, we're up at the census. So the census count is coming up in 2020 as well, right? So when you think about it from this perspective, across the entire state of Illinois, each person that's counted on the census represents fifteen hundred dollars per year for the next ten years. So when we choose not to answer our doors or we choose to say we don't want to be honest that I'm going to just say it. I'm on Section 8 and me and my son supposed to be the only ones in this house. But my sister and her two kids are staying with me, but I can't count them because I'm scared the landlord is going to say something. We just lost out on forty five thousand dollars in that one house. So when we think about it from that perspective, I'm not saying I don't want to make everybody think that it's on Section 8, but it's things like that. Like the landlord says only two people, three people are supposed to be on the lease. We only, but we got seven people in the house. So on the census, we're not going to count the other four. But guess what? That house just lost 60,000. So when you think about it, Maywood only had a 69% participation rate. So when you think about it from the percentage of saying a 69% a participation rate, break it down from those numbers and let's like break it down for real, for real. That means that over 10,000 people in one village that is predominantly African-American were not counted. That totals more than $116 million in funding for the next 10 years that we, we did not receive. That money didn't disappear. It was reallocated to those communities that were of white influence or of some sort of influence that had a 95% participation rate or 96% participation rate. Then you also have to look at the standpoint if I'm sitting there looking at your community saying, we need new streets, we need new roads, and I'm down in Springfield, and I'm first thing I'm going to do, you might be the mayor to come talk to me. I'm going to say, in the last election, that village got me 12% of the vote. In the community next door, in the last election, they had 75% of the vote. Who do you think is about to get those streets? Who do you think is about to get that bridge fixed? What school do you think is about to get that ripping cut because we're opening up a new stem cell system? We've, we have got to start, stop becoming so negative that we're hurting ourselves. And that's what the black community does. Everything is not about oppression. When you sit there and you think about in the late 1800s during reconstruction, we had over 1500 African-Americans that were actually in elected office. We, of course, life happened and, 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 those that are still trying to make America great again today came in to try to fight that and make sure that those numbers went down and that oppression came back in. But today, in 2019, in many ways, we're oppressing ourselves. We are choosing not to go out and vote. And I'll give you another one that might not be the most popular thing to say, but I don't care. The reality is, when you sit there and you look at local elections, where's your divine nine? Where's your panhandle? When you think about local elections, where's your NAACP? 
Where is your 100 Black Men of America? Where is your National Urban League? Nowhere. I'll tell you right now, even trying to go get endorsements, you'll have the, so put it like this, you have the union that want to endorse you and they'll write you a check. You'll have the company that wants to be the new law firm to represent you come in and write you a check. You will have the trash company that wants to be the new trash pickup place to write you a check. But let you go to the National Pan Hill. First question they go ask, are you Greek? No. They have nothing for you. Not, not are you black, not are you, not are you progressive, not are you productively trying to move the community forward, but are you Greek? Then they have nothing for you. NAACP, want to know when the last March you did? National Urban League wants to know how much money you can contribute to their efforts. And it's like, when you look at it, really, you're going to, I'm going to say it, you're going to the Italians or outside of your black community, which those are the ones writing you the checks. The trash man, he's not black. He not black. The attorney that's writing you a check, he's not black. So we, 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 we ignore local politics all the way on our largest scale. When was the last Rainbow Push Coalition? meeting that actually interviewed local politicians. The same way that they interview big city of Chicago, who's, who's running for mayor and who we're gonna endorse for the Illinois Democratic Party. Okay, great. What about the other local mayors? What about the alderman that's got a $25,000 stipend and a $25,000 salary to sit in your office and maybe come have two other full-time jobs? What about your alderman that's in the city of Chicago making six figures as your alderman, but it's also a full-time attorney? We're not even paying attention to that because the black community, even when we get to who we look at as the, the voices of the community of the divine nines and all those, they're nowhere to be found. You might have one good chapter in one good area, but when you look at organizations such as Pan Hill that has over 5,000 chapters, where, where are you at? Where's your collective voice? It, it, to me, that's, that to me is a bigger issue that we have in the black community. Everybody has an opinion about something, but nobody is willing to sit at the table and come up with a solution and actually execute on it. We meet to meet and have good talks and we'll do a good, we'll do a good press conference. But nobody's collaborating for real, for real. It's sad. I'm speechless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, speechless no, no. because, wow. I mean, you're so right. As, as as black people, we don't even understand the levels of government. You know, and that that's that's sad. It's sickening, really, when you don't understand that that the everyday laws that affect you are your local laws. Like people complain, they need to fix our streets. Like you said, if you don't vote, or if you're not participating in the consensus, then you need to shut up because your voice not being heard. And just because you're saying something on social media, that's not a platform to speak to your politicians. So, I mean, I'm so glad that you that you addressed that because with people, every time you ask, when they complain, you ask them, did they vote? It ain't going to make no difference. That's, just the, that's the answer that you always get. And I'm sitting there like, if you understood how politics work, you, you would see that it would make a difference. But to us, the only uh, level of government we see is, like you said, you'll get a lot, you get a bigger turnout when people want to come vote for the president. But anything else, you can't get a turnout. How, why is it that on a local level, these are people who do things for you every day. You can't even go out to vote for them. And that's, that's disheartening, very disheartening. But then we, we cry and hope that we won't change. Where you think you're going to get change, where the change starts. And then I'll throw in one more piece on top of that. When you go to your local board meetings, your local school board meetings, your local library board meetings or park district meetings, that has to do with everything from infrastructure, education and everything. We're not there. I tell you right now, Maywood has definitely transitioned to being a more 60% black, probably a good 25% Latino and then 15% everything else. But the reality is when you go to that elementary school district board meeting or parents night out or parent meetings, the Latino community is there but the black community is not. And we're double them, right? When you go to your board meetings, I tell you what, let a Latino have a problem. She coming in with 25 residents to take up all the time of public comment and make a <laughs> comment. 
but you got Sister Soldier, who's been at the board meetings for the past 15 years complaining about the same things, but never once brought her neighbor to the meeting. Mm-hmm. Never once brought her granddaughter that still lived with her or her daughter that still lived with her to the meeting. Because still complaining about you only giving me three minutes. Well, how many board meetings have you sat in where if a Latino person comes in, they have 10 people sign up and then lend their time to that one person for a 30 minute rant. Yet we haven't figured it out yet. How many board meetings does it take for you to figure out that you could do that? And so that's okay to do. So you don't like people have to start coming in numbers. People need to learn how to, you're not going to make change by yourself. Like you are not Superman. You need collaborative effort. And I think that's the biggest issue with the black community. And nobody wants to help me. Not with that attitude. You are absolutely right. But if I say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Can, do you have a group of maybe three other people where we can have like just meet at the coffee shop and the five of us can come up with a solution to this problem? Oh, ain't nobody trying to hear me. Well, I'm the elected official. I just asked you if you had three other people. (laughs) Well, oh, I, I don't have time to get three other people but you have time to come complain at every board meeting. So I think like those are the types of issues that really are, if you want to say my vote doesn't matter anyway, you want to say my vote doesn't matter anyway, tell that to the last Chicago election. Less than 15%, I mean, I'm sorry, what was that Chicago election? 30, 32% of voters came out. It was the lowest voting turnout in Chicago land history. But your vote don't count? When you look at some precincts where people won by less than 200 votes. Oh, yeah. Like an alderman that's been in office for 20 years, you barely clinched it to a, a newcomer that really was very specific in the people that he was going for. We're talking about Will Calloway and Le- Leslie Harrison in the Fifth Ward, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, Leslie, she won literally less than 200 votes, a 20-year incumbent. To, to a gentleman who literally had one mission was to focus on black and had he worked it just, had he had a few different people working with him on that campaign and had they worked Hyde Park just a little differently, who knows what would have happened, right? So I really feel like it's annoying and I'll say it just like that. When people say my vote doesn't matter, I'll say for myself. If we don't even have to take it to the city, take it to myself. I literally won by 73 votes. So how do you tell me that votes don't count? That meant three extra people at each precinct voted for me. That's it. Three people per precinct extra voted for me, and that's how I won. So don't tell me that votes don't count, because if that was the truth, you wouldn't be looking at me today as an elected official. So... To your point, it's the same way with the judge, the Cook County judge that <laughs> that was voted out. Because a lot of people don't even understand that aspect of the fact that we have judges on the bench who are elected to the bench. Now, I, my only concern is I don't want people to think, oh, we don't like this judge, so let's just vote this judge out when you don't understand the judicial system, okay? But we're not crazy when we look at someone's record and see how they convict black people versus a white person similarly situated. So we have to get into the habit of actually looking at the person's record and comparing it. What are you doing for for us? Versus what are you doing for someone else? Not because you're mad because, you know, your person got convicted for a crime that they actually did. Um, you know, and the consequences are the consequences. That's just the reality. But there was enough stink made that he was, that he was put out. But, the, the, but a lot of people don't even understand with the judicial process that People stay on the bench half the time because people don't know who the judges are. And so they don't vote for them anyway, or they just click a name, the name, you know. Uh, what was that movie? Bullwinkle. I don't know if any, if, if you're familiar. Bullwinkle. Yeah. 
remember that movie, yeah. And Eddie Murphy ran for all Distinguished Gentleman, wasn't it? Oh, oh yeah, Distinguished Gentleman. Oh, was it Distinguished Gentleman? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bullwinkle. That was the, uh, what's his name? That was the, yeah, the other actor, I can't think his name, but yeah, I know you're talking about. Okay, distinguished gentleman. When he ran, when he ran for the congressman, distinguished gentleman. Right. Yeah. And they told, and it was just, they was like, you just have to have a common name. <laughs> yes, I and remember people, that. because they recognize the name, and and it does happen all the time. They will look at a name, and the name sounds okay. This this is a nice name, so I'll go with this name. I I've just experienced that with some friends of mine who ran for judge. And, you know, they put their names out there and we'll look and go, oh, okay, I'll vote for this person. Because you remember the name. So when you're in there and you're checking judges, you just click in on a name that, you, that, that sounds familiar to you or you leave it blank. And if you leave it blank, they'll just get right back in because there has to be a certain percentage of, of, of no votes to get them off the bench. Wow. That's, man, that's amazing. And so we don't know that, but we don't realize that there are most judges that run that all you have to do is look at the local bar associations who put out information about whether they recommend a judge or not. They're either not recommended, highly recommended, simply just recommended. I mean, so there are so many things and we're not even paying attention to that because we don't know. And then we complain about the judicial system, but some of those judges don't have to be there. And I'll tell you another thing that happens. There are a lot of people who, in my opinion, run for judge who really have no business running for judge because they weren't good lawyers to begin with. <laughs> wow. And so if you don't know the law anyway, and you go and sit on the bench, what do you think you're going to get? But guess what? There's a, at least, I forgot how much it is. It's at least $180,000 salary 180 plus that goes Ooh. along with that seat on the bench hey nice i think i run for judge <laughs> don't, don't 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 forget don't forget to throw in that they only won for judge because the lawyers that knew that they were a bad attorney wrote them checks to get in so they vote the way that they wanted them to vote <laughs> when it came down to making choices and decisions or that new prison that wants more but wants to fill those seats because you're a slow attorney, I know you're going to be a slow judge. Mm -hmm. So let me write you a check and get you in too. And now since I bought you, I wish you would turn against me because now you've enjoyed that nice check and you want to keep that nice check. So anytime my interests come before you, I'm going to need for you to dance. Mm -hmm. Trustee Booker, I, I, I'm just going to give you a phone number. Bro, you need security. I, <laughs> you're speaking too much truth. You're going to need security, man. Oh, my God. I got a headache right now because, oh, my God, it's so much information, helpful information. And, and I've changed the way I thought or, or, or the way I looked at politics and politicians. Man, I've learned so much. I do have a question because this is what I hate when people say. And I want, I want to know you all's thoughts on it. The voting for the two of lesser evils. Oh, I can't stand that term. What are you all thoughts on that? Because when people say that, I just want to choke them, literally. I'm just going to vote for the two of lesser evils. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I would say at the end of the day, when I look at that question, I challenge a person and I say, at the end of the day, one of the two are going to get in. I don't care how you feel about it. So you can cringe about it all you want. But you have to acknowledge that one of them are going to get in. My thought process when I look at it that way, because there are definitely sometimes when you're looking like, I don't want to vote for either one of you. But the question is, which one of those people are more willing to sit down and have a conversation? And which one of those people are more inclusive versus exclusive? which one of those people have more of an open door policy than the other? Um, a lot of times when you look at that type of case scenario, the person who feels like I know I'm going to win doesn't, like I said, they won't show up to debates. They sometimes do not even have a website to be able to view why they're even running. Um, they don't feel like they need to have a street game of knocking at doors and actually talking to people. So sometimes when you say the person of the, of the lesser of the two evils, 
I challenge that back of saying, well, how do you qualify evil? Because if one is at least willing to listen and have a conversation, and if one is at least willing to say, this is how I felt about it, but I'm open to change, and the other one is just so stuck in their ways, yeah, it's, you could say it's the lesser two evils because you know what you're going to get from that person, which isn't very much. But you could also give somebody the opportunity of saying, even though this is how I felt about them in the beginning, they've shown me a different person throughout the process. Because what people also don't realize is for local office, you're running for office. When I ran for trustee, the elections weren't until April, right? But you're all running for office that summer before the elections. So June, July, August, you're out there. You're promoting yourself. September, now you're in petition season. So you're collecting all these signatures. What bothers me more so than the lesser of two evils conversation is the person let it come out of their mouth but then didn't know that there were three other people running against the lesser of the two evils because you didn't get involved <laughs> six months ago, eight months ago, nine months ago. So you're sitting there complaining about these two people that you don't want, but you're not doing anything to help them fight. I'll give you one. We have a, co a congressman. This man had one person spend over 30000 in legal fees just not to run against him. Were you out knocking at doors with him? Were you out promoting events with him? But you just, I want him gone. He too, he needs to leave. He needs to leave. Well, who's running against him? I don't know. Whoever it is. What a man been at your door. You received four mailers from him. He's got two commercials up. How do you not know who's running? So it's, it's, a lot of times you just say like, I hear you saying the regular jargon that you were trained and mentally abused to use. But if you don't even know what's going on, please just be quiet and smile. <laughs> I know, right? It just means that you didn't do the research on the candidates to say something like that. When people say that, oh, so you don't know anything about either one of them outside of you just don't like each candidate based on what you saw in the media. I, it's, 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 it's sad. That means you got to do the research because the two or lesser evils, it might be a situation where I'll vote for this one because he wants to change the school district and our school district sucks. Might be a better, a better answer than I'm just going to vote for the two or lesser evils. You understand? Because a lot of people don't understand that their tax dollars affect their local school system. A school system affects the tax dollars that they pay locally. And, 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 and if they don't know that, they don't really know who's even in office locally. Oftentimes people don't know if you can ask, who's your trustee? They probably don't know. Who's, the, who's even the mayor of your, of your town or city? If they don't live, they live in the suburbs or something, and then I don't, don't even even know who their mayor is because they don't care. It's just, we're so submerged into reality television, um, these little mini series like Power and, 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 and all these other television shows that we don't have time to really know what the hell is going on around us. And so, such a misfortune. The funny thing is, is that we actually learn about uh, all of this stuff in school. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it's funny because we really do. Like, you can't even graduate without, well, maybe you can now, but we couldn't graduate <laughs> without oh, the Constitution. The Constitution yeah. And <laughs> it was state and federal. So, you know, you had to understand how the, the different branches of government and all of these things. And so it's just interesting, like, were we not paying attention? Because they do teach you when you're younger, but then, you know, maybe, they're, maybe they aren't teaching anymore. Maybe that's, the, maybe that's the issue. But then maybe that's also why sometimes we see a lot of younger people becoming politically active too. As far as the, the whole, um, you know, the way that everyone is not understanding the, the whole political system, I, I think there's probably something that we probably need to do in terms of re-educating the community about politics. You know, maybe it would be nice to see some politicians have some workshops and seminars in our communities to say, this is the political system. This is how it works. And maybe we need to be willing to become educated 
about the political system and how it actually will benefit us as a community and as a people. Because I think that it is, we're in this system. And so unless you plan to become an expatriate, <laughs> then it matters. So if you're gonna stay here, if you're gonna live in this country, if you're gonna live in your community, you need to care about your quality of life. And where we are, your quality of life is dictated by uh, the people who are making decisions for where you live. And I think that's just really the bottom line. But I wanted to ask you a question, Nathaniel. Well, actually I would like for you to explain to people really the, you, you kind of talked about the census, but there are a lot of people who think have these conspiracy theories as it pertains to, I knew you were gonna shake your head, who have these conspiracy theories as it pertains to the census. So really, I guess what I want you to do is kind of dispel some of those myths that people have as it pertains to the census. So, um, crazy part about the census is when you, when you get those myths, uh, they share your information across the government. That is a myth. Not the, the way that the Constitution and the laws are written, not even the president can get the details of the census. So people say, oh, if I'm honest on the census, then that could get me in trouble. I don't know who you would get in trouble with. The reality <laughs> is the job of the census is just to do an accurate count of that community. When people say, oh, if I tell the truth on the census, it'll affect me in other forms. It cannot affect you in regards to your education. It cannot affect you in regards to your housing. It cannot affect you in regards to, so if the census finds, if the census records that there are four people that are living in your house that's not supposed to, nobody's calling your landlord. And nobody's reporting that back to local government. Nobody is going for your housing stamps. Nobody is going for your lease. Nobody is trying to report back that this person is, that's a fugitive <laughs> is at this house at this location. Um, when you think about the mixed communities, you know, I, I've, I've been to plenty of meetings where people talk about. The Latino community, this is going to be really hard for the Latinx community because they're taught not to answer their doors. So now we're having to figure out how to get more engaged with the census. When you think about communities of poverty, look at the census participation rate. When you talk about our schools need to be renovated, we need new books, we need more technology. When you talk about our infrastructure, we need new roads. When you talk about our basic service programs, our, our healthcare system needs to be better over here. We need more services for those people that are homeless. You know, if you're not even participating, those funds are gonna get allocated somewhere else. Um, so, so think about it from, from every standpoint. Every time a person is not counted, that is $15,000 missed out on. So when you think about it from that perspective, Again, I, I just said 116 million for Maywood. Now, if you look at West Suburbs Proviso Township of the 150,000 residents that make up Proviso, had a 76 participation rate. So with that 76 participation rate, that meant that over 49,000 residents were not counted. So that meant over $718 million was missed out on for our roads for our education, for our healthcare, for our social services. So I think a lot of times it's like, I, nobody, ICE is not waiting for you or that, well, I can't say that today because we don't know what to do. You know, nobody's, the, the sheriff's department is not waiting to kick you out or evict you. Somebody who's been looking for you for years because you jumped out on a debt and they're trying to do, put you in collections, and they've been sending collections to the wrong address all these years, the census is not selling your information to the collection agency. Like those types of things, they're just not happening. The goal is to get the accurate count 
So when you think about it this way, when we talk about the black community, so say we don't take our census this time, we're gonna lose a congressional seat, possibly two for the entire state of Illinois. What community do you think is gonna lose that congressional seat? It's not gonna be the Latino community. It's not gonna be the more fluent community. It's gonna be the black community. Why? Because they're gonna look at who had the lowest participation rate. And that's who's gonna get the ax. So then we lose representation. So you're losing representation, you're losing finances for education, you're losing finances for infrastructure, you're losing finances for healthcare, you're losing finances for social services, all because you wouldn't give your name and date of birth. Guess what? The DMV already has it. <laughs> Guess what? You filed your taxes, didn't you? So it's, it's, it's really sad that the, they'll say for the black community, the hardest thing to get counted are children. I don't know why you didn't forget to put that child on your income tax. You, you wanted that <laughs> refund check, didn't you? <laughs> so why are you not tracking a child? I don't understand that. Or you say, they don't need to have my information. They watching me. Do you have a Google <laughs> account? Do you do, do you do you do anything on social media? You got a face, you have a Facebook, you have a LinkedIn, you have an Instagram, you can have a Snapchat. You don't think they're watching that? If they really looking for you, you don't think they know how to find you? It's can you and, and here's the other question. When when are the census actually released? And I think people need to understand that. And and, and I'm gonna go here just for one second. When you're doing research for genealogy, because I've done a lot of that. The reason that I can even figure out my family back in the 1800s and all of that is because of the census. It's because of the census records. So that's the other thing that you do is you also, when a hundred years from now, when your family is trying to research their history, they will hit a dead end because the simple record that you can search for your, for your family history is in those census records, but they are not released for so many years. So as to your point, nobody is coming after you. Well, they're not gonna even release the information. For however, how many years does it take before they actually make census records public? Um, I will say, so like the census, they right now we're in the education and awareness aspect of it. The census count day is April 1st, 2020. So then after April 2020, they spend probably until August of 2020 trying to track those people that weren't counted, that we know that there's a gas bill that goes to that house. We know that there's a water bill that goes to that house, so somebody needs to be counted in the house. So those efforts happen hard, hard after April, 20, April 1st. And then the census numbers and statistics and data will be released probably like January, February 2021. But as far as to your point, you are definitely not the only person that has given me that story of finding what your family members, where their addresses were and, and the history and everything. Um, I do not know how long before they released those names and those specific addresses, but you are definitely not alone in that story. Yeah, I mean, I haven't found one for recent years, like probably, um, I don't believe that I've seen any census records beyond the 50s maybe but i know it's a i know it's a long time because <laughs> clearly we know any records that i'm looking at in the 1920s 19 you know we're talking almost 100 years for those alone so it's the there you go okay 72 years so 72 years after census day as a result of the 1930 census records being released in 2002, the 1940 records were released in 2012, the 1950 records will be released April of 2022. So 72 years is the rule. Well, I think it's time for my challenges, ain't it? And I got four of them. Y'all ready here? I'm ready to see them. Y'all ready here? Go for it. <laughs> All right. The number one challenge is get registered to vote. I'm so tired of people saying they ain't registered to vote. 
you register to vote? No, I just want to punch somebody when they say that. Oh my God, I hate that. So please, listeners, please get registered to vote. Second challenge is get involved with local politics. If you don't like your road, get involved. If you don't think it's enough street lights, get involved. If the street lights don't work, get involved. Man, if you just don't like that they don't plow the street, get involved, man. All, all the things that affect you locally, you have to get involved with your local politics to change. Number three, this is my challenge, research. Research the candidates, man. Know who's running for office and what they can do for you. Are they even trying to talk to you? Are they just taking you for granted that you ain't going to vote no way? If they disrespecting your vote, then you need to be voting for somebody else. Do your research. And last, the last one is vote, vote, vote. Because if you don't vote, our community don't get no money. So I need you to vote, vote, vote. <laughs> Y'all like my challenges? <laughs> yes, um, I, I think I think that your your challenges are right nail on the head. The one thing I was going to add and like tag team on that part was I uh, get involved in local politics. You know, if if your street lights aren't working, I mean, the reality is not only get involved and and don't show up to the to the board meeting complaining about it if you haven't re if you haven't even registered your complaint with the public works department. Because that's what we're going to do as an elected official. We're going to look at the public works director. He's going to look at his record and say, I don't know what that address is. Because you didn't do your due diligence. So it's also a part of becoming that educated individual. You know, reach out to your local politician. A lot of areas, you have an alderman's office. You have, if you're a community, you have your trustees at large or your councilman or your alderman at large. You have your district aldermen. Reach out to their offices. I would challenge any district, any community that doesn't have, that has a village website to not have either an email address or a phone number for that elected official, right? So reach out to that person. Now I can tell you right now, if you reach out to me, my first question to you will be, did you reach out to the public works department? And if you say no, I will pull out my phone in front of you and pull up the app for you to file that complaint. <laughs> I love it. You're going to hold people accountable. Because my whole thing is you, you have to, we have become a people that wants our hands held on so much and, and it has to stop because I'm going to tell you who's holding your hand and it's not the black people. We are those, when you become that elected official, that's, that's truly trying to fight and trying to work to make things change and try to progressively make things change. I'm going to tell you who keeps inviting me to lunch. It's not the black. So, the reality is when you're getting involved with your elected official, figure out how you actually want to help. Because if it's just to complain, I'm going to put you on that social media list of just people who want to talk. <laughs> but if you are actually saying, I care about the youth and that new youth initiative that you're doing, I want to help with. I'm going to give you a high five and I'm going to let you know every way you can help. Now, if you want to be 5% help or 100% help, I'm just happy that you want to help. But do that. Like, get to know people before you start barking down orders and suggestions and recommendations. Um, I think that's, that's just the, when it comes to getting involved with local politics, come to a board meeting. They're open. They're public. Go to a finance meeting and find out about the finances. Go to a school district meeting. Learn who the principal is in your area. You might not have a child in that school system, but guess what the majority of your property taxes go to? That school system. So it's crazy to me when we sit there, these kids, these kids, your property taxes, your property taxes are going to these kids. So even if you're not a parent, you can still have a voice in what's going on at that school or at that recreation facility. Because guess where your property tax is going to that too? Recreation for kids that aren't chores, school system for kids that are not chores, but that you look at every day, that you're scared to talk to, so you just pull right in your garage. Cut it out. So if you're going to get involved with your politicians, also get involved with your community. Learn who you, I'm going to take it before I, I agree with vote, vote, vote. Learn who your neighbors are. Start a block club. Have, have, have a barbecue, have a block barbecue outside. The reality is these communities, are, we, we have to acknowledge it, right? 2009 tore us apart. We lost a lot of those long-term families, people, 
you will have family members that have passed on. And now, you know, Uncle Joe House that we still haven't transferred out of his name because we still want the senior citizen tax discount. <laughs> has a new family living in it. The family's been living there for eight years. We don't even know who they are. Go find out who your neighbors are and engage with people. Learn people. I used to remember if we were locked out the house, I could go next door to Miss Bessie's house, she'd make me a sandwich. I'd go next door to Mr. Charlie's house and he'd make me a chicken salad. We don't, that, that doesn't exist anymore. And we have to get back to that core. Um, while we're getting engaged with our local politics. Get engaged with your local community, period. So you know what, I'm, this is where I'm gonna give you the opportunity to say your last words. You just said a mouthful, but if there's anything else you would like to say in, in any way you would like people to contact you, this would be the time. Sure, well um, again, my name is Nathaniel George Booker. I am a newly elected official for the village of Maywood, Illinois. We are in the western suburbs of Cook County. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can definitely uh, visit my website. It's uh, maywoodtogether.com, or you can simply go to nathanielgeorgebooker.com. My contact information is there. You can sign up to receive weekly newsletters, um, anything like that. So definitely, maywoodtogether.com, nathanielgeorgebooker.com. Otherwise, census, get counted, be counted, be in the number. You represent $15,000 to this state. You represent fair representation to your community. Um, voting. If you don't know who to vote for, go to a board meeting and find out who not to vote for or who to vote for. Um, if you're coming up on these new elections, you know, from a congressional standpoint or from a representative standpoint, go to a couple of their meetings. Look them up on, look up their websites. Um, find out when the last time they had a town hall meeting that wasn't around election season. Um, you know, get involved. Maywoodtogether.com. There you go. All right. Thank you so much. I want to thank you again, listening audience, for tuning in and being faithful and listening to every one of our podcast topics and enjoying our co-hosts with us. We look forward to seeing you next week on Conversations with the Royal Empress. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Impress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Impress, please visit the website royalimpress.org. You can also follow the Royal Impress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Impress is a subsidiary of the Royal Impress organization. All rights reserved.